for the privilege of letting me uh, talk to you about the Lord Jesus. Did you know he's coming again? And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm just blessed to be able to tell you about it. And not only that, I get paid for it. Not enough, but no. Listen, in prior weeks, we began talking about the second coming. Last week, we spoke about how the Lord Jesus is going to return, the manner by which he's going to come. Remember, we mentioned physically, visibly, bodily, concretely, sensationally, suddenly. Tonight, let's address another question with reference to the Lord's second coming. This one, I'm sure it's on your mind, it's on mine. When will the Lord return? We're not the only ones to wonder about it. In the Lord's day, his followers surely were interested in the answer to that question. So they said to him, tell us about the end of the age. Tell us about the future. When will these magnificent, when will these sensational things be? And remember, the Lord answered from the Mount of Olives, and so we call it the Olivet Discourse. And he told them about the end times. And we have been paying close attention to the Olivet Discourse over the last few weeks. It's in Matthew 24. For instance, let me show you this verse. In the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24, verse 29. But immediately, after the tribulation, big time cue. After the, not a tribulation. Hey, look, there's always been hard times. But this is the great tribulation. After the tribulation of those days, future days, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky. And the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Uh, folks, uh, that didn't yet happen. It's going to happen, but it didn't yet happen. Now the, so the Lord is saying, after the tribulation, these will be the atmospheric signs. Look at the next verse, verse 30. And then, and then, after this, and then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. Notice again. And then... All the tribes of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. Folks, I'm not interpreting anything, nor is this in the category of my opinion. I'm just reading to you what the Lord said. He said, after this tribulation period... Uh, just so that you don't mistake it, there's going to be atmospheric cataclysm, the likes of which the world has never seen. And then you'll see the sign of the Son of Man in the sky. So I want to tell you, I just, I know already when the Lord's going to come. He's going to come immediately at the end of the great tribulation period. So that's not an interpretation, and we can argue all you want, but if you have a different point of view, you're wrong. You're entitled to your wrong opinion. Hey, it's a free country, but you're dead wrong. It's, look, verse 29 and 30, just real clear in English and Greek and Hebrew, even in Roy's foreign language. And then it's a time indicator. There will be the tribulation. 
The end of it will be characterized by all of these atmospheric signs of upheaval. And then, two times it says, and then in verse 30, and then you'll see the sign of the Son of Man. Can you learn more about the Lord's second coming, the timing of it? Oh, yeah. Uh, Here's what it says in verse 34. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Of course, that leads to the obvious question, what generation? Well, I'll tell you, it's, it's not that difficult. I, I think the Lord here is meaning not the generation he is talking to, but the generation of people he is talking about. Please don't miss this most essential word, context. The whole context of Matthew 24 is end times. It's very chronological. Things are being given to us in sequence. First the great tribulation, then the second coming. And so when it's talking about this generation, the Lord means this generation who are alive during the great tribulation period and who will see the visible, bodily, physically, physical, striking, sudden return of the Lord. Truly, this generation, the one alive during the tribulation period, it won't pass away until all this takes place. That's what it means. So we know when the Lord is going to return. Make no mistake about it. Immediately at the end of the great tribulation period. But can we know more about the time of his return? No. (laughs) See you later. That's it. No. I'll tell you how I know this. Matthew 24, verse 36. But of that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father alone. Look at We can know for sure of the fact of the Lord's second coming, but we cannot know with precision of the moment of the Lord's return. Hey, save your money, therefore, on books written by weirdos who think they got this figured out. You know, uh, there's a guy named Bill Riley here. He may be here tonight. He's just a super guy. He's just... He's one of our deacons. He's just one of my favorite... I just love hanging out with Bill Riley. We don't have a lot of time, but he dropped in the other day, unannounced, no appointment. She <laughs> thinks I'm sitting around with nothing to do. And he was right. And so uh, we were discussing an article um, uh, we read, uh, and we disagreed, both of us, with what the author of the article had to say. And the author of this article was making claims to some private, esoteric secret insight about future things uh, made available to him exclusively. Uh, No other Bible guy, no theologians, no nobody knows about this stuff, but he has been made privy to these secrets of the universe and he's revealing them. Hey, look, let me just give you a rule of thumb. You know, when you hear about one guy or one gal saying, uh, I discovered the magical code of whatever, which for centuries has remained hidden, you know, is that the way your God operates? You see, he's the God of revelation. Not just the book of Revelation, all 66 books reveal the will and ways of God. 
He's not a God who hides things. He's a God who reveals things. I don't need some... I've got to clean up my vocabulary. How about some um, uh, person distorted in his thinking? That's a little more dignified than some goofball. Telling me God singled him out out of the whole universe of people to reveal something otherwise hidden from the ages. And now if you do the computation of this word and that word and the numericals, such and such, and boom, 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 you find out that the Antichrist is Chuck Schneider. I don't, don't buy that. Look at here. Verse 36, but of that day and hour, no one knows. Let's give it a break. Fanciful calculations, computations, numerical gyration. Come on. No one knows, not even the angels of heaven or the Son, but the Father alone. We know the sequence, the chronology of the events, the rapture. I can't wait. If you're a Christian, you're going. You're going to get caught up forever to be with the Lord. The judgment seat chronologically follows. This guy comes on the scene. He's like a bad guy, the Antichrist. He's the Antichrist. He's the parody of the real Christ. And then you have this seven years of horrific tribulation characterized by a lot of things, not the least of which is the outpouring of the wrath of God on an anti-God world. And then the next event in the order of things is the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to know more, and you want to know more, but let's just say, Father, what you show us is just going to have to be enough until we see you face to face. The Bible says the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever, that we might obey the word of the Lord. He's given us plenty to live by, and the rest, the secret things belong to him. Not some guy who's writing some book in charge in 1395 to speculate, give it to me. Give me the money if you want to throw it away. So we're just going to have to settle for what the Lord said. However, can't we know something more about the timing of the Lord's return? Yeah, the answer is, yeah, I think we could. We can know of the conditions on the earth at the time of the Lord's return. Check it out. Matthew 24, 37. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. I'm not setting a date. No one, we can't set a date. But now we have a qualitative statement about what things will be like on earth at the time of the Lord's return. What will it be like? Uh, The text says it'll be just like things were in the days of Noah. Well, you remember Noah. He built this floating box. But he didn't just build the floating box. I mean, it was a major attention getter. So people would wander by Noah's backyard and say, Hey, Noah, what is that? And he would say stuff like, It's like a floating box. And we're going to get in it, and thus we will be be delivered from the flood. And they would say, Say what? It had not rained on the earth. 
And he gave this sermon for 120 years. That's how long it took him to build the ark. He, the Bible says, was a preacher of righteousness. That is to say, he was telling people, this is the way in which you can get in right standing with God and thus be delivered from his judgment, which is coming in the form of a flood. And most of the people in that day said, are you kidding me? They paid no attention. That's what it was like in the days of Noah. They were indifferent to the impending judgment, worldwide judgment, of Almighty God. And instead, you know what they were doing? Well, we're told, Matthew 24, verse 38, for as in those days, before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. That's what they were doing. That's not bad stuff, is it, generally? Eating? Generally not bad. Drinking? Marrying? That's a good thing, right? God created the institution of marriage. It's holy matrimony. Giving in marriage? What's the problem? Not that those things are inherently wrong, but they can distract us from ultimate realities. See, all those things are merely the realities of this life. And so people in Noah's day were living this life as if this life had no end. That's the problem. And so the Bible says, this is what it will be like when the Lord returns. As in the day of Noah, people will be consumed with the activities of daily life. Just the routine of getting up, going to work, earning a living, buying a house, mowing the lawn, doing all this kind of stuff. It's not inherently evil. It's just... It's an under-the-sun existence which denies the reality, the ultimate reality of a soon-coming Savior who will usher us into his kingdom which lasts for eternity. So the Bible says qualitatively, not specifically, but qualitatively, this is what things will be like when the Lord returns. People are going to be enmeshed in routine And just as Noah told people about impending judgment, uh, you know, they're going to hear about it. And they're going to say, that's nice. Got to go to work. Got a golf game. Got to mow the lawn. Got to wash the car. That's what it will be like. The text tells us that. And then it goes on in verse 39. And they did not understand until the flood came, that's in Noah's day, and took them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. It's great tribulation. Everything is breaking apart. One world religion, one world economy, one world government under the the, uh, Leadership of uh, uh, the Antichrist is falling apart. He succeeds in duping everyone into giving him worship because, remember, uh, the evil one wants to be treated like the Most High God. Uh, So things are just desperately, intensely uh, falling apart. Everything is in disarray. This tremendous persecution and upheaval and all the rest. And there are tribulation believers who are doing what Noah did. 
repent, turn, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He's around the corner. Jesus is coming again. Don't look for deliverance in another. Don't look for a deliverance in a pretender to the throne when you can have the real Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, who is soon to return. But just as in the days of Noah, this is what it will be like when the Lord returns. They didn't understand until it was too late. So now we know two things about when the Lord will return. One, at the end of the great tribulation period. And two, at a time when it's going to be business as usual. And now there's something else we can know about when he will return. Tell me if you can buy into this. Uh, I think the scriptures make it clear that the Lord is going to return just before Israel is entirely destroyed. Israel is on the brink of disaster during the Great Tribulation. It is a horrific time of anti-Semitism and persecution of the Jews. It will make the Holocaust look like a walk in the park. Israel cannot save herself, but Israel's God can, and Israel's God will. He returns to do this very thing. So check out Zechariah 12, verse 9. And in that day, I will set about to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. God, have mercy on us. Don't let us in the United States of America forsake Israel. This is not a political statement. I'm simply making a biblical and spiritual statement. I want to be on the winning side. The winning side is God's side. You don't have to defend everything the Israeli government does. Of course not. I just want to ally myself with God's plan. And Zechariah 12, 9 says, You who are ganging up on Israel are going to have to deal with me. And then, listen to this, Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. I will pour out on the house of David. Those are, that's Israel. And on the inhabitants of Jerusalem. That's Yerushalayim, the city of gold, it's called in the Bible. And the spirit of grace and of supplication, so that they will look on me, whom they have pierced. That's a reference to the crucifixion. And they will mourn for him. How? Well, as one mourns for an only son. And they will weep bitterly over him, like the bitter weeping over a firstborn. The great tribulation, we spoke about it a long time ago, is also known as the time of Jacob's trouble. It's the tribulation of Jews, for sure, because Satan hates him, and he has his counterfeit Messiah on board to persecute them. But during this time of great tribulation, and during this time of Jacob's trouble, Israel will repent, she will turn the affliction, the pain, the persecution, which is about to lead to her entire demise, moves her into the arms of her loving God. She turns to her own Messiah. God will enable it, Zechariah says, through the outpouring of the spirit of his grace. And by the way, how does anyone get saved but through the outpouring of the spirit of God's grace? 
We're spiritually dead, folks, apart from Christ. Dead people can't do anything. Dead people can't get up and walk the aisle. God has to enable it. How does he do it? It's the spirit of grace. So this prophecy from Zechariah says, during this end time, when Israel is about to go under, be annihilated, the Lord Jesus will return, not to destroy her, but to deliver her, and will pour out on her the spirit of his grace. And as a result, she will turn to him and weep, as one weeps over a firstborn. And so all the witnessing that is taking place during the great tribulation through the 144,000 saved Jews, 12,000 from each of the tribes, the two special witnesses the Lord raises up, gospel tracts, your testimony to these people before the rapture, internet sermons, All kinds of stuff will not be in vain. It will bear evangelistic fruit because the Lord will take it all as an instrumentality, combine it with the spirit of his grace on a crushed and repentant people who turn to him as their one and only deliverer, and he will deliver them. That's what's going to happen. And then the Lord will return. Listen to his words in Hosea chapter 5, verse 15. This is rather marvelous. This is God speaking. I will go away and return to my place until they, Jews, until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face. In their affliction, they will earnestly seek me. The Antichrist is heaping affliction upon Israel during this time to annihilate and destroy Israel. But God is going to use even the horrific anti-Semitic persecution ushered in by Antichrist as an instrumentality to deliver Israel. Don't you see God can use all things, even bad guys, to accomplish his purposes. And so at this time of great pain and affliction... Israel will look upon the one who has been pierced and weep over him as one does for a lost firstborn. She will acknowledge her guilt and seek the Lord's face. And when he pours out the spirit of his grace upon Israel during this tribulation time, look at her response. Hosea chapter 6 verse 1. Come, let us return to the Lord for he has torn us but he will heal us. He has wounded us, but he will bandage us. So folks, there will be a remnant. I didn't say every Jew. Everybody's saved by the same means. Faith in the substitutionary death of the Lord Jesus Christ. But in this day, those Jews who are still alive are surviving the tribulation. That remnant of Jews, surviving Jews, Uh, They will be characterized by a national repentance, a national cleansing, and a national restoration. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul meant when he said in Romans 11, and then all Israel will be saved. So, I found out when the Lord Jesus will return. Here it is. After the tribulation. At a day, an hour, nobody knows. When people are distracted by the activities of this life, 
And when the surviving remnant of Jews turn to the Lord and are saved. Just that should explain to you and me why there is such hatred of the Jews in Israel. So let me, let me tell you. The Antichrist, Satan, read the Bible. And he found out that the Lord Jesus is only going to return when Israel calls upon him, blesses his name, and repents. So Satan kind of comes up with this plan. If I can drive the Jews into the sea, if I can kill them, they won't be able to repent. I mean, when you're dead, it's over, folks. I don't know if you knew that. There's no possibility of repentance when you die. It has to be done before. So Satan foolishly thinks, I know, if we can wipe off Jews from the face of the earth, they won't be able to repent. And if they can't repent, that'll keep Jesus the Messiah from returning. You think Satan will succeed? Of course not. But that's what he's up to. If you go to Jerusalem today, the very gates, it's called the Eastern Gate or the Golden Gates, which the Bible tells us the Lord will return to and through, are bricked up now. They're bricked up. And there's a Muslim cemetery right outside those gates. Why? Keep people from uh, walking through the cemetery. So they bricked up the gates and they put a cemetery over there in a quest, a vain and foolish quest, to keep the returning Messiah from entering through Jerusalem as the Lion of Judah. That's why I love the word earthquake. Boom! Buy bricks. Look, um, you, I'm not trying to toot my Jewish horn, um, I, but I am trying to tell you, it's important to get your attitude and mind in alignment with God's. He, to, he chose this stiff-necked people, I'm one of them, with an uncircumcised heart. And he bestowed upon them astounding spiritual privilege, the likes of which no other people group has had. He sent them prophets, and he gave them the oracles of God. And he entered into covenant with them. And he said, you will be the apple of my eye, and I will separate you from all the people groups on earth, not because you're better, oh no, but just as a means by which I might manifest my love. And Israel figuratively speaking, spits in her Messiah's face. And Israel says to Messiah, thanks for offering to carry me, but I would rather fashion idols and carry them. And Jesus goes up to the Mount of Olives, this very place where he gave the discourse, and he looks at this uh, city enveloped by man-made religiosity, and he weeps. And he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I wanted to gather you all together just as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you are not willing. And then he says, I'll go away until they acknowledge their guilt. And the tribulation, which the Antichrist means to annihilate Israel, God will use 
to empty Israel of self-righteousness and self-dependence and her man-made religion and fall on her knees, figuratively speaking, look upon him whom they have pierced and say, Messiah Jesus, Yeshua HaMoshiach, forgive us for we have sinned. And he will pour out upon them just as he has on us the spirit of his grace. And they will call him blessed. And they will say, Baruch Hashem, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then he will come. Therefore, if I was you, I would not build up a case against the Jews. I would make Jewish evangelism a priority. I think that's God's idea. Romans 1, 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power, the dynamite of God for salvation. To everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Go after them Jews. Don't exclude them from the gospel message. That is the most vile form of anti-Semitism. What Hitler did ends someone's life this side of heaven. But if you withhold the gospel from all people groups and they pass into a Christless eternity, they're gone for eternity. You see it? Well, my fellow uh, Christians, and isn't it good to be one, a Christ follower? Today in our staff meeting, we were in little groups and we were praying, and in our group, Mike Schumacher, our wonderful director of counseling, was leading. And I just remember the opening thing he said. He said... Um, Lord Jesus, thank you for saving us. I just remembered. Wow. Ain't that the truth? Thank you for pouring out on us your spirit of grace so that we could realize how we've sinned and how we need a Savior and how Jesus, the resurrected one, (laughs) fills the bill and nobody else does. And that's made all the difference in the world. So now... You're looking forward to his second coming, aren't you? Yeah, me too. We're not dreading it. We're saying, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. Ah, So we've toyed with the question, how will the Lord return? And the second one, when will the Lord return? And uh, if the rapture doesn't happen before next week, um, how about these questions? Why will the Lord return? And where? Is he coming to Texas? No. And uh, I'll tell you next week why he's coming and where he's going to come to. That is unless the hurricane comes, in which case, um, or or the rapture, in in which case, uh, Harvey, you're in charge of things (laughs) since you're such a wise guy. You can be in charge. Hey, my fellow Christians, look up, look up, look up. Uh, 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 the news doesn't give you the reality. The news just gives you the symptoms of the reality. Uh, the reality is the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? And Almighty God has grace which swallows up all our sin. So where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. And He is so gracious that He's com- coming back. Can't wait. Hey, I hope you know what he looks like. He's, 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 he's a Jewish guy, and he's got curly hair, 
and dark skin and you know just so that you could recognize him I just want to help you out he, he, he's not a good old boy no 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 he's Jewish I don't, I, I don't even, he doesn't have long blonde hair and blue eyes like in the movies no 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 he looks like the folks in Israel because he are one don't wait to miss him or anything like that don't look for like a real tall person It'd be about my height Don't you think, brother, oh, he'll have the nail print. We sent him back to the Father with those nail prints, didn't we? We'll recognize him. He paid the price. His first coming is sensational. Thank him for the second coming. Don't you think it's wonderful? Ah, that's a good word. Hey, Lord Jesus, we are so uh, filled with the spirit of your outpoured grace without which... We would be Christ deniers and doubters and rejectors. But now we're Christ followers. We take no credit for it. We thank you for saving us, for pardoning us, for adopting us into your family, and for enlisting us into your service so that, oh my goodness, you entrust the ministry of reconciliation to one such as us. Oh, God, let us be, therefore, living proof of a loving and soon-returning God to this desperate world, caught up in the routine of making a go of it and missing the ultimate reality of eternity. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the thrilling truth of your return. We look forward to it. In Jesus' name, amen.